This episode of Making a Monster is brought to you by the Book of Extinction. Pre-order now at magehandpress.com slash extinction. At first, it just looks like a room with a treasure chest in it. So it's more like, hey, look, there's cool treasure over there. You open the door, just step right into it. It's fine. It's fine. There's no trap at all. Because, you know, when they see the treasure chest, they're going to expect, you know, the treasure chest is either a mimic or it's trapped or something. They're not going to expect that the ooze is filling the room and they just stepped into the ooze. Now you're inside of a, an ooze that has a shark that swims around and fights people. Hello and welcome back to Making a Monster. I'm your host, Lucas Zellers, author of Book of Extinction, now on pre-order and coming soon in hardcover from Mage Hand Press. I'm going to Gen Con again this year. The best four days in gaming are in Indianapolis from August 3rd through 6th. And if you're coming to the convention, I'd love to meet you. Just stop by the Mage Hand Press booth, number 2563. I'll probably be there. In honor of my second year at the con, I wanted to share this episode I recorded during Gen Con 2022, where I was introduced to Megan Maracle. Hi, I am Megan Maracle, and I'm one of the editors at Cobalt Press. I first came on board working on their monster books, doing the editing for those. We connected over the Creature Codex. Literally, I held a mic over the book. Kobold Press has published three volumes of the Creature Codex since 2013. I asked Megan which of her monsters made her most proud. Well, that, I'm proud of all of them. I worked on that's like asking a parent to choose their favorite child. Like, that is not fair. I mean, every parent has a favorite, but you can't actually ask them that. Like, goodness gracious. Um, well, let's see. If we're looking at things that are kind of underrepresented, the Creature Codex has the giant shark bowl ooze which is a lot of fun. I know this is like audio only, but you can at least see the picture. If you don't know, oozes are one of 13 creature types in the 5th edition Monster Manual, which describes them as gelatinous creatures that rarely have a fixed shape. They're mostly subterranean, dwelling in caves and dungeons, and feeding on refuse, carrion, or creatures unlucky enough to get in their way. The most famous ooze, I would argue, is the one that conforms its shape to occupy the most volume possible. In dungeons with rectangular corridors, it assumes its most recognizable form, the gelatinous cube. In sewers, it would become a cylinder as it pushes through pipes. However, it might also respond to strange magic and form a kind of aquarium for another large predator. I asked Megan where oozes generally fit in the structure of a Dungeons & Dragons game. Well, a lot of people I know use oozes kind of as traps, right? Because oozes are not very intelligent creatures generally. We do have one ooze that's kind of smart. But for the most part, yeah, they're meant to be this kind of force of nature, almost. They're kind of like the garbage disposals of the dungeons and stuff like that. But they're usually in, in a kind of like trap-oriented type thing. You usually use them as a, oh, this thing is here, you stumble into it, or it falls from the ceiling, or something like that. Because they're not the brightest, and they're usually predators but in that kind of slow walking towards you death, like, you know, Jason Voorhees or something. They're not, they're not like the cat that's going to pounce around you from the corner, you know. So if I remember correctly, 2018 was when this book came out. So please forgive my terrible memory. But I believe the giant shark balloons was actually something a backer submitted. And we're Cobalt Press. We don't do a ton of goofy monsters, but we do like some fun ones occasionally, right? We have a Swobold, so we... We do like some, some goofy stuff occasionally. But yeah, so the giant shark balloons just made the whole judges panel chuckle. Uh, so they're like, all right, you made us all chuckle, fine. You'll put it in the book. 
Writing the mechanics for this monster followed exactly the template you would expect, fusing two existing stat blocks to create a symbiotic relationship. It has to have everything crunched up first, and that's what the shark is for. It does all the crunching. We've had some people make miniatures of it, so it's very impactful for some people. They make like fish bowls and they put like resin and stuff in it with a shark inside of it. People are excellent. I, I love people. What was the first edition of D&D that you played? First edition that I played? I played second edition Dungeons and Dragons. I played in 1994. I was, oh gosh, eight years old. And uh, my parents both played. My mom and my stepdad both played. And they were big fans of D&D. They had a big group with their college friends. And uh, I thought that it was just that boring grown-up game. You know, in the same way that, like, when you're watching movies, you see, like, the dudes around the poker table smoking and drinking and just playing poker. And you're like, oh, that's the boring part of the movie, right? <laughs> uh, and I was like, D&D is just that boring things that my parents do. But then a book released that year. Um, it was either 94 or 95 that it released. It was called Council of Worms. And my, yeah, my parents were like, hey, because we, we had moved further out in the country, so they were away from their friends. And they're like, okay, well, let's get the kids to play. And we were both like, that's the boring grown-up thing. That's like just as boring as poker. Why would we do that? Um, and they were like, well, you could play a baby dragon. And I was like, there's dragons in this game? Uh, so I've been playing ever since. So part of the reason I ask is that I have heard in older editions that there was a more adversarial relationship between Dungeon Master and player. Mm -hmm. uh, is that part of your experience? And do you think that oozes are indicative of that in any way? I don't think that that is edition-based. I actually think that's more of the age of the players-based. Because when I played as a kid, my parents were in college and they were playing with kids. So we never had an adversarial relationship. It was all about telling a fun story, right? One of my first encounters in D&D &D was I was a dragon polymorphed attempting to go help a village, but I had to pretend that I didn't know anything about human customs, and that was the kind of fun we had. We never had an adversarial relationship or anything like that. It was all meant to just be what story we want to tell, the fun we want to have. But later when I played in high school with my high school friends, it did become much more adversarial, much more us versus them, let's try and like beat up whatever we can. And I think that's... I think it's part of the growth of D&D, &D, right? Like, I don't want to say teenagers are more adversarial, right? But it's a competitive thing. You want to, you know, be the best at something or you want to do the most damage at something. You see it in video games and stuff, too, when you've got, like, leaderboards and everything. It's no different. So I really just think it's kind of a life stage thing rather than an addition thing. The giant shark bowl ooze moves its whole genre of monster away from a sort of gotcha style of running the game into a comedy piece. Yeah, it's because it's like, the dungeon mentor gotcha, but then you're also like, I can't be mad. It's a shark inside of an ooze, and the shark is eating me right now. Like, I did literally just fall for that, right? Um, and I think that's kind of what we like to do with Cobalt Press, is a lot of our monsters, is we like them to be fun and flavorful. So you can kind of like, so even the ones that aren't the goofy giant shark balloons, right, you can still see kind of the story of it. You can see the place that they fit in the world, and they're just going to be fun and challenging encounters, right? In just a minute, Megan will give you her best advice as an editor of Monster Books on using monsters better in your game. But first, let me say thank you for listening to Making a Monster. If you like what you've heard and you want to support the show, please leave a rating or a review on the podcast app of your choice. Spotify recently introduced a five-star rating system to its interface. You can find it on the podcast page just under the show description. It's a small thing, but it does help new listeners discover the show and really makes a difference for me moving forward as a creator. 
And if you really appreciate my approach to monster design, you can check out my book, Book of Extinction, Resurrecting Extinct Animals as Monsters for your 5th edition tabletop game. You can pre-order now and get the first 130 pages of it immediately when you order at magehandpress.com extinction. That's magehandpress.com extinction. And lastly, if you're at Gen Con this year, don't forget to visit. I'll be at the Mage Hand Press booth number 2563. See you there. Now, Megan, what's the number one thing you want Dungeon Masters to do to use monsters better? I mean, I'm not the pioneer of this. There's a guy who wrote a whole book on it, but think like the monster. Like, what do the monsters think about? You know, because they're not just bags of hit points. They're not just teeth that's hungry, right? You know, sure, it might be a lion coming after you, but it also might have not eaten in a day, or it might have cubs nearby, right? You know, bears that attack people don't just attack people randomly. It's usually because there's cubs nearby, right? And I think people forget that with monsters because they see it as just something big and scary. So really, just think about what the monsters think. And I, I know there's a gentleman that wrote a book on it, and I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Yes, yes. The monsters know what they're doing. Right, exactly. It's, it's wonderful. And it's a great concept to think about, right? Like, because the monsters do. They are living, breathing creatures. I mean, <laughs> oozes are kind of, and undead don't breathe. But yeah, you, you understand what I mean. You, you get it, you get it. <laughs>